Welcome to the IonaHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Hey there, Iona fans. It's season three, episode 16 of the IonaHoops.com podcast. And boy, things have really changed in New Rochelle the past couple weeks or so. Just where are the gales as we prepare for the game of the year in the Mac regular season? I'll share my thoughts on all of that. I mean, it's been a while and maybe a good time to have had the extra week off from the podcast, as who knows what the hell I would have said out here last week after that Ryder game. But we know what I'm going to say right now. It's Iona Iota's time. Iona Iota's. The Mac race is down to three. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about teams. I'm talking about the quest to host the Mac tournament. Sienna beat writer Mark Singles reported a few days back that we now have a final three for potential sites for the conference tournament. MVP arena up in Albany, Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City, and the UBS arena in Belmont Park. UBS added a bit of a twist to its bid. It only wants to host the semis and the finals, while the pig in the quarters would be played on campuses. Probably a safe bet that the Mac won't buck tradition by going that route. So expected to come down to Albany and AC. And what's more important? More fans at the tourney or a true neutral site? We'll soon find out. Do I have a preference? Eh, no, not really. I do like that the tourney keeps moving around. I don't think it should stay at one site, especially at Albany, which gives the Saints a home court edge, even though Iona's won more tourneys there than Sienna has. I know the argument is, but Sienna's only won the tournament a couple times. But I want to know how many times that they actually advanced further maybe than they should have you know just because they didn't win the tournament doesn't mean it's not an edge they might have a decent team maybe they get by a quarterfinal round game that they should have maybe they upset somebody in the semifinals i'm thinking of the game they knocked off a really really good mammoth team uh one year in the semis to get to iona in the finals before losing of course we of course they always lose to iona so that's a given but um there's still an advantage let's face it so i would like to see also what happens in ac in a non- COVID year. I like it in AC. It's the destination. We have Caesars. We have Gelato, all that fun stuff. We probably will find out pretty soon where the Mac Turney's future will reside, so stay tuned. Iona. Iona. Hey, remember when Iona was going to run away with the Mac? Fast forward. Hey, remember when Sienna was going to run away with the Mac? Oops. We have a league race, people. Sienna may still be in first place by half game over the Gales, but things are getting juicy if you're a junkie for a good league race. Quinnipiac and Ryder are just a half game behind Iona and a full game behind Sienna after yesterday's action with Fairfield, now just one game back of those teams. We'll get into the importance of Iona's two games this weekend against Sienna and Quinny later in the episode, but as we hit just about the midway point of MAC play, you can sort of see the jostling for position already starting to make sure of a top-five finish and avoiding the pig round. Long way to go, no doubt. But now that everyone's almost through the league once, those rematches and season sweeps are to be watched because tiebreaker season's coming for sure. Enjoy the ride, everyone. Iona. Iona. After a couple leaner years, it's safe to say Iona women's coach Billy Chambers has the Lady Gales back where we'd love to see him, atop the max standings. Iona is 13-5 and five overall and alone in first at 8-1 and one in Mac play after rallying to win at then second place Siena. The win over the Saints comes off a blowout win over Ryder that featured an NCAA record setting 15 straight threes in making 16 of 18 from downtown overall for 89% from three for the game, another NCAA record. So we all knew about Juana Camion and Ketsia Theus entering the season, but what a find. 
by Coach Chambers to land Merrimack transfer Kate Major. She's averaging 12 points per game, connecting on an insane 48% from three on the year. What a perfect compliment to the returning all-star duo. The Lady Gales have won seven straight and return home for a two-game stand this Thursday and Saturday against St. Peter's in Manhattan. Come to Heinz and check them out. All right, I mentioned a little earlier we'd be doing kind of a different recap of S3 Iona men's games. Uh, so let's get into that now, shall we? So rather than give the standard recaps for the past three games, the types of recaps I usually give, especially considering two of those three were more than a week ago now, and the third was three days ago, I think I'm just going to speak more globally about the state of the Gales coming off these three games. So we followed that disaster in Hamden with a win over Fairfield. Not the blowout victory you used to see against Mac Foles at home, but a win. And we saw a home losing streak, I'm sorry, a home winning streak come to a close with a huge blown lead and Dwight Murray beating us late yet again. And with the way that second half went, we knew we weren't back by any means. Friday's game in Manhattan was much really the same as Ryder, actually. Another big Gales lead blown down the stretch, and the game goes to overtime in this scenario. At least here, Iona was able to refocus and put the Jaspers away, which honestly was the most encouraging thing I've seen since the Marist win. I mean, really, this team could have just folded up like a tent. We would have lost another devastating game. I actually like that the team picked itself up off the floor after blowing the lead and just came out and played Iona basketball again, pushing tempo and doing all those things um, that make Iona Iona and, and just take control of a game on the road against a league foe that was playing well in the second half. So now what is this drop off of the last few uh, couple weeks? What's caused it? Well, of course, we start with the injuries. We've learned just how valuable Walter Clayton is to the Gales. Without Walter, defenses started focusing on Dennis in the backcourt, denying him the ball, rushing two guys at him until he give it up. And that's just totally disrupted our, our offense, especially the half court. On the other end, the injuries in general have prompted Patino to shelve the 40 minutes of full court pressure, which is a strength for this program and what we build ourselves upon. And I obviously clearly disagree with that move going to play guys like Sunday uh, and Io and Florence anyway, we might as well take advantage of their freshers and just do what makes us us on the defensive end. I know it's a tempo team and the game has to be played at high speed, especially with our need to rely on younger players a bit more often due to the injuries. Youth just doesn't work in a half-court game. Friday's game in Manhattan was a perfect example. The Gales played with tempo. Looked like the pre-Quinny Gales, with Walter having a big first half. The second half became more of a half-court game, and we just couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball, even with Dennis and Walter and Nelly out there. The good news is Barrick had a strong overall game against the Jaspers, so he finally appears healthy and back in shape. The bad news is that shutting down Quinn Slezinski for the year really takes away from our diversity on offense, and that extra piece that we use uh, and rely on in a half-court game, and just overall experience, uh, for the team. What's more, we haven't had Michael Jefferson for a while now either, and while he's no superstar, he did steadily improve enough to be a regular rotational player before getting injured. We're not sure on his status or when or if he's coming back, I have no idea. But if we can get to a point where we've got everyone back but Quinn and everyone healthy and in shape, I'd really like to see us push tempo again. If 
there is a positive to all the injuries. It's getting those guys to the intervention run. Sunday is not going to get more spot duty due to Nelly and Shima, but we have seen Keith and Florence get some time and show some effectiveness. And Tom Brookshire has gotten some more running. He had a nice game against Fairfield, but then has barely played since. Although with no Quinn or Jefferson, the depth issue is really more at the 3-4 spots than the 1-2. Um, we have seen Iona play three guards a bit uh, with the injuries, uh, with uh, Davis at the three. Um, anyway, right now, uh, past couple games, the rotation has been really tight. Patino going with only six guys for the most part in the past two games, which also explains how you get out to a fast start and then you give up a lead. You can get away with that when you have a Friday game and no Sunday game, like the Gales have this week. And certainly the Gales will be fresh for next Friday's game. But let's not get lost in the fact that we have a game next Sunday too. Playing six guys isn't sustainable. Not pressing isn't going to work because this team is built to play at tempo and not in the half court. Hopefully we get an idea on Jefferson soon and maybe Matino loosens the reins on these guys a bit more and continues to dip into that bench a bit more moving forward so that we can do what made us so successful the first two months of the season. All right, it's time to dive into previews of our upcoming games at Siena, home against Quinnipiac. Regardless of whether Iona was still rolling along, beating everyone in the league by double figures, or barely afloat with a thin roster getting beat or squeaking by teams, I think we all knew the game at Siena was going to be the one to circle, and boy, is that really turning out to be the case. Uh, you're going to need to disregard what uh, point spread, what line Vegas puts on this, and what the computers say should happen, because they're going to tell a favorite in this game. Really, they are. Uh, you see Vegas quite regularly uses Ken Palm when setting its initial point spreads. But those Iona data are from a time when we were much closer to healthy and playing foes not overly familiar with us. In reality, despite losing at Kadishas last week, Siena is playing the best ball in the league. They are built to win, grinded out games behind some pretty good defense and some guys who really know how to step up and make plays late in games. They don't overly impress you when you watch them, and yet they win and they win and they win home or away, regardless of opponent. Throw in the fact that they just love it when Iona comes to town up there, and you can see that the reeling Gales, just two and two in their last four, are not, just not the favorites in reality here. And I think you're gonna see it when you watch that Vegas line too. Iona's gonna open up maybe two, two and a half, three point favorites, but by the time that game tick tips off, expect Sienna to be favored for the win. But hey, this isn't a gambling podcast, let's refocus. And we know the guys Sienna has. Big, strong Jackson Stormo down low is more than capable of going toe-to-toe -to -toe at Nelly and even outplaying him. Javin McCollum is every bit as good as Dennis or Walter. Andrew Platek is a dead-eye shooter that you have to blanket so he doesn't go off. A couple other dudes, too. 6'4 freshman guard Michael Eli is probably the front-runner for the rookie of the year. 6'4 sophomore guard Jared Billups is a really good on-ball defender. Fifth-year 6'5 guard J.C. Johnson's another nice player. He's been a little bit banged up. We'll see if he plays against Iona and how much. Um, outside of McCollum, though, who I did project to be first-team All-Mac this year, this really isn't a team of superstars. But Carm wins and wins and wins because he recruit, recruits guys for his system, and the team is built to survive game by game. 
Iona may have more overall talent, but right now this Siena team is the favorite to win in Atlantic City because they are designed to handle the grind, plain and simple. And what's more of a grind than the MAC tournament? On offense, they'd be a top 100 rated unit, except that they're a bit turnover prone. It's their one flaw on that side of the ball. And as I've said during my recap earlier, Iona really needs to start turning up the heat to get the Saints running. They are steady on the defensive end. Stormo is good enough to guard other bigs without double team help, so they don't leave shooters open all over the place. They're able to run guys at you in the perimeter and deny you chances at threes, as evidenced by their number three ranking nationally uh, and three-point attempts per field goal attempts. Hey, this suits me just fine. Iona's much better when not obsessed with getting threes off. Again, though, this is a tempo game. Siena is average tempo-wise nationally, but this is not the team for Iona to sit in a half-court game against. Anyway, shocker, the MAC flexed this to the ESPNU broadcast on Friday. This is the league's game of the year, and Iona, already looking up at Siena in standings, has a chance to make a statement here. Let's see what Patino cooks up, because the recipe the past couple games isn't going to work this time out. It's not often since Rick Pitino took over at the helm that the Gales have had a need for redemption. You go, you have to go way back in time to find the last time Iona got absolutely demolished by a Mac foe, the way Quinney worked the Gales in Hampton a couple weeks back. I mentioned Siena's the best team, but the Bobcats, make no mistake, they have it rolling as well. They've won six straight since losing at home to the Saints back in late December, and they've been riding some pretty stellar defense, as Iona saw as well. Their defense is all the way up, just outside the top 100 nationally, second only to Iona in the MAC. Hey, the Bobcats are balanced on offense. They've got seven guys averaging between six and 11 per game. I, mean, I don't have to dive too deeply into this one. We saw what happened a couple weeks ago, and we know it was a perfect storm of a Quinny team, hungry to take on the Gales, the Gales being pretty banged up, and the Gales probably being a bit overconfident after destroying Marist with that banged up roster just two days before. But make no mistake, this is a very dangerous game still. Sure, you could say we'll be wanting payback, but Quinny will not have played that Friday before. They're prepping for us right now. And how do we just respond to another big game just two days after Siena? Win or lose against the Saints. Oh, and regardless of how our game at Siena goes, Quinny's right there behind us in the standings too. If they win, they'll own the tiebreaker. And oh, by the way, their next three are all at home and entirely winnable. So the Bobcats are going to be right there in the thick of the MAC race as we head to February. Put this another way, if Iona goes 0-2 next weekend, it's a safe bet. They won't even finish in the top two of the standings, which would be remarkable given where we were just over two weeks ago with an Iona at large bid. With both of these games, though, and the Gales likely reassume the driver's seat with some distance on Quinney and with the position to earn a tiebreaker over the Saints at home uh, in February when the teams meet again. Split and, well, the waters will continue to remain muddy. Needless to say, though, this is a huge, huge weekend for the Gales. And we'll find out a lot about what kind of team this is next weekend for sure. All right, let's refocus on Friday's game at Siena. And welcome back to our podcast, Siena beat writer Mike Kelly from the Daily Gazette in Schenectady. Well, you know, everybody, it's that time of year when Iona and Sienna meet. 
And of course, that's such a special time for message boards everywhere. Uh, but it's also a special time for this podcast because we bring back one of our favorites, Mike Kelly from the Schenectady Gazette. Mike, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. I've uh, been looking forward to this. Yeah, I think we all have. It's that game that everybody circles, especially the one up at Siena because, uh, well, the, the attendance like trebles. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but the you know the atmosphere at, at the arena changes a little bit, and uh, even Iona fans get in their cars and make the ride up. You know, so it's it's a different, always a different vibe for this game, and this year's no different. Um, so let's talk about where we are right now. Um, well, let's go back a step. Um, entering this year, Siena lost some players. If you guys hit the portal, all of that. Um, a lot of people didn't think uh, Sienna was going to be a threat. I um, people know me on this podcast and on the boards and on Twitter. I'm not the biggest f- fan of Carm uh, the person, although I'm warming up to him. But boy, I've always been a fan of him as a coach. All the guy does is win. I had Sienna in my top three. Are you surprised that Sienna's Sienna performed as well in the non-conference portion of their schedule? So, I mean, I, I was kind of a similar opinion to you about kind of, you know, I, I had them as a top three team in the MAC. I think that there was more talent there than people gave them credit for. Um, more so because, not because of necessarily guys, you know, who came in, but those those freshmen who became sophomores this year for, for the program. Um, you know, you look at their, at their non-conference, um, I, I think that they, I mean, I don't know if they overachieved when you just look at a pure wins total. Um, because I think they would have said that, you know, they're, you know, they're going to beat army, you know, maybe they beat Harvard. They would not have predicted beating Florida state, beating Seton hall. Um, but that kind of comes out in the wash. Um, so I think non-conference wise, I think that they were, you know, they were toward the high end of where, you know, maybe you would think is realistic for them. Um, but I also think it was realistic <laughs> for yeah. them to be kind of where they were just kind of pure wins totals. It was, you know, impressive that they were able to score a couple of high major wins. Um, even if one of those teams at the time that they played them was uh, very much not functioning as a high major team in Florida state. Um, but no, I mean, I think, I think, um, you know, where they were picked in kind of that preseason poll, you know, I think if you follow the league at a really close level, it didn't make a lot of sense um, that they were, you know, you know, so firmly in the middle of the pack. It seemed like they should be kind of toward the bottom of tier one, um, you know, with, with Iona, you know, atop that tier, um, you know, those, you know, top three or four teams. Um, you know, I think overall they've, you know, they've achieved to this point, just when you, you know, kind of get into the conference season, um, you know, being atop the league now for, you know, a, a few weeks, uh, on their, or a couple weeks on their own. Um, we'll see if that changes Friday. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think they're, they're probably a couple wins ahead of where, you know, the most optimistic Sienna fan would have expected them to be. Um, but the expectations were also a little bit out of gauge, you know, I would say, but before the season started. And it's funny, Iona fans have had this a similar debate. I mean, you know, there were Iona fans picking 27, 28 wins. They were going to be just this juggernaut. And it seemed like for a while they were going to be, they were on people's radar for being a, a, um, a, an at-large team if they didn't win the MAC. The 20 and 0 was on the table and it was all be, well beyond what I anticipated. So I was enjoying it, not trying to get too hung up in it. Now that they've kind of come back down to earth, this is kind of more of what I expect this year, a little uneven play on both ends and all of that. So we'll see where they actually fall. Um, but then we have this interesting, again, scenario where Sienna was just kind of rolling along nicely. 
And then yesterday happened. Uh, uh, so take us through <laughs> take us through the Siena game at home yesterday against Fairfield. Sure. Well, to start, you know, Fairfield starts that game shooting one of 22, which if you follow the Mac, the first question you should have if you hear that a team started the game shooting one of 22 is how much did they win by? Because it's the Mac and stuff like this happens. Yeah. Um, I'll get that out of the way. I, you know, t- two, two, two major things with, with Sienna yesterday. Um, you know, one, the, the situation with, with starting forward, Michael Bear, um, his father dies, you know, kind of overnight before the game. Um, Michael Bear has been kind of like the emotional center of this year's team. It's been a big deal for the team. Um, kind of him and his father, uh, there was a really emotional game a couple of weeks ago where his father was able to attend. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I found out about an hour before yesterday's game that, uh, that his father had passed away. Um, and it was, you know, watching them warm up and talking to some people around the program. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't business as usual. It couldn't be. Um, so, I mean, I think you, you can't ignore that when you look at yesterday's game. Um, you know, I don't think that they, they didn't use it as an excuse for what happened. Um, but it's also, you know, it wasn't a team just playing a basketball game. Um, it was, it was a different type of situation court wise. Um, you know, the injury to, you know, just kind of the situation with JV McCollum, you know, only being able to play nine minutes, missing all of the second half. Um, you know, he is their best scorer. He is their only player probably who can consistently get his own shot. Um, there were so many times during yesterday's second half where, you know, they needed somebody to bail them out. And that guy was in street clothes for, for that half. Um, you know, uh, teams at this level, they don't have, you know, option B and option C for, for certain things on their team. Um, that's why their teams at this level. Um, so, so missing him for that second half when the offense didn't go well, I mean, there wasn't really a solution. Um, and, and kind of his injury is part of this bigger problem that, that both Sienna and Iona, you know, have been dealing with, which is just kind of the overall injuries. You know, obviously I'm more familiar with, with Sienna's situation and, you know, Sienna a couple times over these last couple of weeks has gotten down to a point where, you know, they don't have scholarship guys who are not playing. They're all, they're all actively playing mm. um, because, you know, they're, they're not at the max and, you know, the bench has a, you know, a bunch of walk-ons on it. Um, so, you know, just kind of overall too, I think the, the injury situation caught up to them to some degree yesterday um, where I think they were playing some lineups that, you know, probably haven't practiced a ton together, um, you know, and probably, you know, wouldn't, they, they weren't thrown out there by choice. Um, we could say it that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, and, you know, so a lot of different things came together yesterday. Um, also Fairfield just, you know, to give some them some credit, uh, for as poorly as they started the game. Uh, they pretty much couldn't miss for the last like 25 minutes of the game. <laughs> mm. Yeah. We had a, you know, we've had a situation and we've been going back and forth You know, we've been missing Walter Clayton for a while. He's just now getting back. But when you're missing somebody who's so dynamic on offense and, and I, I'm going to assume that uh, McCollum's absence will result in something similar. And it did yesterday. Um, it almost impacts the defensive side as well, because you have all these empty trips that 
maybe usually were, were points. And it kind of, when you score, it kind of invigorates you on defense. And now you come down, you have an empty trip, you have an empty trip, you turn it over, somebody misses a shot. And it's harder to like, just kind of pick yourself up off the canvas and play defense the way you normally play. And I think we've seen a bit of that with Iona in the past couple of weeks. Now, maybe Walter is getting closer to being hundred percent. We'll see where he's at, but I wonder if we'll see Sienna uh, impacted on both sides of the ball. It seems like they were yesterday a bit, uh, you know, certainly want to give credit to Fairfield for shaking off the early game issues that they were having. But I wonder if some of that was in play that there was just so much frustration on the offensive side for Sienna yesterday that, um, you know, the defensive end dropped off. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I think too, I mean, it's, um, I mean, it's much easier to play defense, you know, when you're going back and setting up after a made basket. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of those basics. So if you're not scoring, you know, you have to play transition defense all the time. That's more difficult. Um, you know, and I think too, um, you know, and this is one of those things where, you know, I won't, uh, I won't try to, to speculate because I don't, I don't follow Iona, you know, as closely obviously as, as yourself or, or people who are listening to your show. Um, but I would imagine somewhat of a similar situation with, you know, when you lose a guy like Clayton, who's so dynamic and does so many different things, when you lose, you know, certain players from your lineup, it also affects how you can use other guys on your roster. Sienna's experienced some of that too. Um, some of their combinations when they have JV McCollum are, I mean, that's, that's how they want to play when they lose him. There's some other guys who they really like, who maybe can't get on the floor as much because the combinations don't work out defensively, offensively. Um, so, I mean, there is, when you lose you know, one of these top guys, the ripple effect, um, you know, especially in the, in a league like the Mac where, you always have to make sure you're taking care of the defensive ends because that's, you know, where games very much are won in the conference. Um, you know, there's, there's just different lineup things that happen when you lose one of these top guys that, you know, I don't think you can necessarily predict, um, you know, as, as easily heading into a game. Well, I, I, and we don't know, I guess, McCollum's status going into uh, Friday. I mean, given uh, that, uh, you know, backs are tricky and I mean, He's probably on you know, the questionable side right now. If you had to guess, uh, just based on what you know, um, any any thoughts on that before I give you my thoughts on what could happen either way? <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, qu questionable is, is the technical term. Um, if we were to go uh, old school football designations, uh, I mean, I, I think he would probably be closer to doubtful than to probable just based off of how he looked yesterday moving around. Um, you know, in the second half, uh, I mean, for those who don't know, he wasn't even on the bench for most of the second half. He was back in the locker room. Um, he then comes out for the last five or six minutes in street clothes and just watching him move around. You could tell, you know, he was not comfortable. Um, sitting looked extremely difficult, hmm. um, for him, which, uh, you know, generally not good. Um, so I mean, he, he's question, he's, he's severely questionable. Maybe would be the best way to put it. The, the caveat to it is that the the kid over the last, you know, you know, going back to the summer, um, he's missed time. He'll miss a week or two. Uh, he comes back and he scores 25 points um, that, you know, if, if he plays Friday, you know, maybe he scores 30. Uh, I mean, it's not uh, he's not somebody who seems to need a lot of uh, rhythm from practice. Um, but no, uh, severely questionable is my mm. uh, my expert medical opinion. So here's my flip on that. Let's say he is on uh, and, and maybe they're just going to play cautious. It's a long season. Certainly want him back and make sure he's ready to go for March and all that. 
if he's on the on the side of doubtful, that means that Sienna can practice without him for a week and come up with a different approach. You know, and if I'm Karm, I'm going to say, look, let's reassume our defensive identity and let that energize our offense, um, especially against an Iona team that has been a little erratic on the offensive end lately uh, and which has impacted Iona on the defensive end. It's so funny because most of the Mac is just so defense focused that you can see like when the, when there are breakdowns on the offensive end, it affects teams in different ways. Um, and Iona is one of those teams. And I think Sienna, if they come out and do a nice job on defense at the start of that game, that's going to be a war with or without McCollum. Yeah. And I think, you know, let, let's say, well, to kind of go back to, to part of what you said there, I mean, I think McCollum um, in general uh, practices, you know, somewhat limited. They're, they're very careful with him just to make sure that they don't do too much with him kind of during the week. They try to make sure he's ready for the game. So, you know, practicing with, without him or at least in limited fashion, that's kind of a normal week, I think, for Sienna at this point. Um, I think what you will see if, if they, let's say they don't have him for Friday night, I, I would imagine that Sienna, uh, you see a, a bigger starting lineup um, with, you know, Jace Johnson at the point, maybe a lot of Jared Billups bringing the ball up the court, um, that they go, you know, six foot four and up, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, across, uh, across the lineup. Um, I, I mean, I think that they're, I think they're kind of comfortable. I think they're more comfortable when they, if they don't have McCollum, they are more comfortable trying to play kind of that rugged, uh, you know, first to 50 style. Um, I think they have the personnel to do that. It's obviously not what they want to do. They want to have JV McCollum out there. Um, but I think that there is some level of comfort, um, you know, if they know going into a game that they have the pieces to try to put that together. Yeah. And I, and I, and I do think Sienna will watch the Manhattan game closely. Um, that is a perfect example of what happens when you let Iano go out and transition and get the game up tempo versus, Hey, let's turn this into a half court battle because Manhattan outplayed Iona in the second half and really slowed that game down and turned it into uh, obviously a much tighter game that Iona was lucky to win in overtime um, after rolling through the first half and just looking like the early season Iona. So tempo is going to play a huge role in this one. Yeah. And Sienna would want to, I mean, they would want to play on the slower side of things anyway, against Iona um, that, you know, I mean, again, again, they, they want JV McCollum in the lineup Friday night for that game. I think, you know, I think everybody wants that. I think people want to see, yeah. you know, these two teams, play a high level mat game, um, you know, in a great environment. Um, I think Sienna though, if they, if that isn't in the cards for them, I think that they will pretty quickly, you know, shift strategy and, you know, we'll play this defensive, you know, rugged style game and, you know, very much try not to play a game in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I, I think it's it, it's a game that will be dictated by tempo. One thing that uh, Iona's been doing with uh, the injuries they've had is um, Bettino has been a little more reluctant to just go all out and press for 40 minutes because he's not comfortable with his bench. Um, and I think that hel- actually helps Siena, a turnover-prone team, quite a bit as well. Um, you know, this, this game is going to be interesting uh, with or without him. Um, so um, I think it's whoever wins this is going to feel pretty good about their chances of finishing first, even with Quinnipiac right on everybody's heels here. Um, and the loser is going to have, you know, an uphill battle. So important game for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think too, I mean, just kind of coming off the weekend, um, I, I think there's a lot more juice to it in terms of the standings because, 
Siena had an opportunity if they won this past Sunday, that if they won Friday against Iona, um, you know, you could really see the one seed for them. Um, the path was going to be there. It was going to be difficult at that point for, you know, Iona would then need help um, to get back in front of them. Um, I think that this game now becomes quite a bit different, um, especially with the way that some of the other teams in the league have played. Yeah. And, and health will be a big issue. And I do think you'll see, especially since now it looks like we're going to have a dogfight for the entire month of February in this league that you'll see caution, you, you know, uh, there's no reason to rush McCollum back. There's no reason to make Walter Clayton play 35 minutes or 40 minutes if he's not hundred percent, you know? Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with the player management uh, with the health issues both teams have had. Um, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you back on. It's been awesome. Um, I'll be up there Friday as well. Uh, so looking forward to, seeing uh, the usual energized Sienna crowd when their favorite uh, visitors come, come, uh, come knocking. So uh, looking forward to it. And thank you again for coming on. Thanks. I'm sure it'll be a warm reception for everyone uh, <laughs> in Iona gear Friday hug, night. Yeah. Hug, hugs area. all around for everybody. Yeah. I'll see if I can get out without getting anything, anything thrown at me. Uh, thanks again for coming on. I'll see you Friday night in Albany. Thanks for having me. It's been a bumpy ride for the Iona Gales these past couple weeks, but these next two games offer the opportunity to get their swagger back. Will they do it? Well, either way, we'll have you covered with a new episode next Monday. Go Gales! Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com with publisher Guy Velotico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Velotico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona University Athletics or the university itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.